1: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am one of your co-hosts, Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on the Instagram. And I am here with
0: Jay Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Woodwitch on Instagram. How are you doing, Jay? I am doing wonderful today. How are you doing, Britton? Pretty good. Just
1: been working a lot on a shop update that is coming up for my shop, Blood Moon Botanica. And I've been brewing perfumes and working on tarot oils. And it's been a lot of fun. And I've been cleaning my house.
0: (laughs) I am so very excited about your shop update because I am a perfume lover, but also I'm very wary of perfumes because there's just there can be so many things in them, especially the commercial ones that you get, or some of them are like way too strong or whatever. And I love the sense that I've gotten from you so far. So I I will be participating in your shop update and going and buying some stuff because I'm very excited.
1: Yes. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, there can be some, um, icky stuff in perfumes, but the stuff that I work with is all safe. And, um, hopefully I'm saying this word, right. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Phthalate free.
0: (laughs) oh free yeah. of the fellation oh. yes i, I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's a word
1: <laughs> yeah we'll just yeah. we're just making up words here
0: yeah exactly well actually i think that is a word but it might be a different <laughs> maybe maybe we'll cut that up. we don't know anyway so um so while britain is not filating um over there <laughs> okay now i can't I promise we're gonna get it together for y'all here oh god oh it's that kind of morning um it really is so I wanted to bring something up really quick I wanted to clarify um a point that was made in our last episode um I just I just want to clarify that I am not or never have been charging people or doing spells for people to get rid of their COVID. The spell interaction I was talking about in the last episode was um, a group of people who were living together, and this happened on a couple of occasions, who, who had kind of a COVID scare and wanted me to clear it up for them, which I told them I could not do, at which point they requested a protection spell just to make sure nothing else went wrong um, to, you know, try and insulate them against, you know, other things happening as well on top of that, which is what I agreed to do. And they just happen to also end up with a clean bill of health because of it. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm charging anybody <laughs> to clear away COVID because that's not ethical in any means at all. And that's not how this works either. Um, the point I was making though, is that simply because I w- did have some success in it still doesn't mean that I'm uh, marketing myself as a COVID curing person, which is something that we see, um, you know, in this work and what we were talking about in our last episode, as far as people trying to scam folks um, right on the internet. So I just wanted to to be clear about that in case anyone uh, had the wrong idea about that.
1: Right. Yeah. The best way to prevent COVID is to wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance, and get your
0: vaccination. Do the vaccination, or at the very least, all of the other things as well, because this is. Y'all, this could have been over in two weeks, like a year and a half ago, um, if we would have all just stayed inside, let alone um, where we're at now. So the more we can cooperate, the sooner this will be done. And let's be honest, I do not want Halloween to be canceled again this year. I am already just full of pumpkin spice.
1: I know, I so am I It's starting, the season is starting to shift here And I'm just like getting those warm, cozy feelings It's gonna be like ancestor season Samhain's coming up And I'm just ready for it Because this summer has been hot So
0: hot It really has I got really excited the other day Because I noticed some of the trees were changing color And I'm like, oh my gosh I'm like, I'm like, it's happening, it's fall And people were like, no, they're just dying Because of the drought And I'm like, oh, oh, that's not the same <laughs> Oh boy. It's not the same. But uh, hopefully it will be changing. We are cooling down here temperature-wise and yesterday, you know, I've I've been feeling the shift of fall earlier this year. But yesterday mm-hmm. was the first time I really smelled it. You know, there's like that that change, that kind of like that wet autumn smell. That happened yesterday.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's what's happening here, but it for me it's kind of like dried grasses and hay and, mm. and like wood smoke. So that's what I'm starting to smell Ooh. here. It could be wildfire smoke. Um, <laughs> we're just going to pretend but, it's wood
0: stove smoke.
1: Yeah, we're just going to pretend it's everyone's wood stoves. But wow. it's starting to get that nice, uh, just crisp fall smell. And I I love it so much.
0: Yes. And doesn't your shop update have some sort of pumpkin spice situation happening?
1: Oh my god, y'all, I am so excited. So for years and years, I did botanical only perfuming. But going back further, I used to own an indie bath and beauty business, uh, where I worked with safe synthetics and botanicals together. And so I'm kind of going back to my roots. And I'm doing a harvest moon collection, which will have already passed by the time you have heard this episode. A couple of the blends are going to have like some pumpkin notes. So I kind of created not kind of but i created this blend called basic witch i really wanted to tap into the basic witch <laughs> witch life so it's pumpkin brulee coffee candle wax incense and a, a sparkling amethyst accord
0: so it's me in a bottle just basic as fuck yes. and i love it i i yes. own my basicness especially once fall hits because as as soon as I feel that shift, I am in sweaters with my Uggs and my pumpkin spice latte and too many scarves. It's still 90 degrees outside, but I am feeling it. I, I go full basic and I will not apologize for it.
1: Right. I know. I mean, I, I'm not like super basic. I have like one pumpkin spice latte a year. I have to, but... I just wanted to like do something in honor of the basic witch. And there will be a companion fragrance of the more mature older sibling to the basic witch, just called witch. And it's just going to be like beeswax and uh, faded incense and black musk and mm. herbs. It's going to be really great. It's going to be like that more mature witch. It sounds sexy. Yes, it's going to be sexy.
0: Hot. All right, well, on that sexual note, do you want to tell people what it is we're going to be discussing today?
1: Yeah, so we're going to be discussing occult books. And we're kind of keeping in with this theme of um, like discernment and whatnot around occult books and whatnot. So we're going to be diving pretty deep into this. And Jay has a lot to share about this and knows a lot more than I do on this subject, especially around the subject of... Algorithm books, which I'm very curious to hear more about that.
0: It's such a weird world out there with this, and you are about to dive headfirst into it um, with the the publishing world and your own book, which I'm very excited to have come out. Oh
1: my gosh! I'm I have as of this podcast recording thirteen thousand words left on my book, and I am like in the home stretch. I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm ready but i'm also terrified of the editing process and then like the book cover and like going back and forth with my editor and all of that so it's an interesting world to dive into and i'm learning so much mm-hmm.
0: Don't be afraid of the editing process. Everything that they're going to do is only things that are going to make the book better. Nothing that's going to like change it make it, you know, crazy or different or anything like that. I always, I always like to think of the editing process, you know, like in the beginning of Titanic where they find just that moldy ass piece of paper and then they like hose it down and then suddenly like Rose's super hot sketch comes out underneath it. That's, that's the editing process. Right. So like at first you just, turn in this like dirty little manuscript and then they just hose it down and then it's all just glorious.
1: Okay, I can't wait. I really like that visual.
0: Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I that's what I think about a lot <laughs> when it comes to the editing process. Yeah. Uh all right. So where I like to start with this is kind of, you know, we were talking about books and discernment and this is something that's actually been on a lot of people's minds lately. It's been something we've been talking about a lot on social media, especially um kind of in the the Twitter sphere um, where we've been seeing a lot of this. And a friend of mine, uh, Georgina, started a hashtag that's defend occult books, um, kind of because of this attempt at discernment that we're seeing, but it's going it's going terribly wrong. <laughs> because what we're seeing now is instead of people going like, oh, let us develop skills in order to read books with discernment, we are now seeing... Um, just the cancel culture approach, which is things like author and book blacklists that we are seeing um, in like Facebook groups or on discords and things like that, where, where they'll just have lists and lists of books that are just banned, that nobody should read, books that are canceled. Um, and the criteria for why they're getting banned or blacklisted ranges wildly, from things like um too many words in the book um
1: well is that's a bit of an insult to those (laughs) of us who like to read big books i mean right
0: like somebody did review my book as being very wordy and i was like i'm like well that's that's what a book is is it's a bunch of words put together (laughs) imagine that Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is concerning. Or um, I've also seen, too, that people believe that books written before the year 2010 should all just be absolutely thrown out, Um, which that's very scary. Because 2010 is really where we saw kind of the witch boom start. And that's also where we saw a lot of the misinformation begin as well um Mm -hmm. so the more current books that are coming out right now are not always necessarily by default better than the older ones right and that's too i i also feel like it's super unfair to hold a book that came out in the 80s to our current standards of wokeness um right because those things weren't really happening back then. And uh, I mean, of course books that were written by like Nazis and things like that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Throw it in the trash. Um, But, you know, using a term that's now outdated, you know, sometimes people used to um, gender their tools as being like masculine and feminine and things like that. And we don't necessarily do that anymore. Um, Same things Mm -hmm. like with terms like black and white magic. Um, But we have to remember that the things that, those things put into those books back then weren't done so to be transphobic or to be racist. That was just the language that, that was used back then. So learning to right, discern It was the
1: climate. Yeah. 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 Kind of it makes me think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Context and nuance and whatnot. It makes me think a lot about like Starhawk's books were pivotal for me. And if somebody like now, like, If a new witch came to me and they were like, what book should I read? Well, I would give them the classics first Mm -hmm. before moving into more modern stuff. I mean, there are a lot of really great modern books, but I would be like, yeah, read Starhawk. Like, that's great. But according to this list, Starhawk would be a a banned book.
0: Right. Same thing with like Silver Ravenwolf for some reason. Everyone just kind of hates her. Um, But she did so much for us as a community as well. And so I think that stuff really needs to be taken into consideration. And we can't hold people who were publishing 20, 30 years ago to the same standards we have today, we simply need to filter it and learn to do that ourselves and not expect other people to always do it. So sometimes you're reading through a book, and they start talking about black magic. And you're like, okay, well, we don't use that type kind of terminology anymore. And that's fine so we just kind of file that away as like okay this is an old book you know mm-hmm. not i feel like sometimes people feel like they're at the mercy of the book that if they that if they read it then they become it or or things like that and it's like no we we just have to hold context that this was written in a time before we understood that um
1: right yes i agree important.
0: yeah and some other weird things too is that people are trying to cancel whole publishers as well um I have seen this, <laughs> yes, which concerns me because it's usually like the only publishers that we've that we have, because I mean occult publishing is a very small pool very um, yeah. that's that's kind of the reason why I feel like we've had this sort of defend occult books movement because discernment is important, but we can't just randomly throw books in the trash. And if someone tells you not to read a book, please, please ask them for specific examples um, and ask them to actually like, pointed out in the book because I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, well, I won't read your book because you said this and th- it's things that are just not at all in my book <laughs> or were taken wildly out of context. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. like you, you need to actually check it out because sometimes people will be like, oh, well don't read this book because it's racist or whatever. And then the reasoning for it is because They said at one point in one paragraph, you know, we used to call this black magic. Um, And then that was taken out of context, the fact that they simply use the term black magic. And then the entire book and the author and the publisher suddenly gets blacklisted as being racist when that's not what was happening.
1: (laughs) Right, right. See, if somebody walked up to me and told me, you shouldn't read this book, like my first reaction to that would be, well, I'm going to read the book because I want to know what's going on with it and like form my own opinion. So I think if somebody is telling you not to read a book, perhaps it could be coming from like a place of true concern, but I would do your own research, come up with your own opinion and think for yourself when in these regards. Um, Because even if a book you know, looking at some of the older texts in the occult realm and whatnot, even though there are there is misinformation in them, it's still good to read it for the historical context, so you can see where the some even blatant lies formed and where people may be misinformed moving into the future or where something came from, mm-hmm. then we can know you know and have that discernment so mm-hmm. yeah,
0: absolutely, and I own like several what i would call bad books and a lot of people are like you know oh you should throw them in the trash you should burn them i'm like no i keep them so that when somebody asks me i can give specific word for word evidence of why i do not like this book like you know you have to interact with it so that you actually have an argument about it otherwise you're just telephoning what other people are saying and that's not helpful
1: no not at all yeah, there are some of my one of my favorite authors. While it's not a cult, um, but could be applied to the occult in some ways, is Henry Miller, and uh, his books were banned everywhere because they were raunchy.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? But you still read them, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's just it's it's such a weird thing that's happening right now. And what I think we what what we really need, and I'm not sure how to how to help this along or how to fix this issue. But what I'm seeing a lot of right now is an inability to read critically. um, And understand what you're reading as well, because people, you will write one thing and people will understand something completely different. So I ran into this with my book a lot. My book on the cover says American brujería modern mexican american folk magic and i got so many bad reviews on amazon by people who were really upset that my book was not on ancient indigenous aztec magic and i'm like okay what what gave you the the idea that this was anything to do with that um
1: right because they didn't read the front cover
0: right (laughs) I'm like, it really says right there. And even if it didn't say that on the cover, the entire first chapter explains everything in depth of what I'm talking about and why. And so it's just lack of ability to to critically read. And so I don't know if this is a public education issue, if this is, I, I'm not sure how to help in this arena.
1: Right, yeah, I mean... Maybe there is no way to help folks um, except for sharing about how to read critically. Like, what yeah, does that um, look like to you? Like, what does critical reading look like?
0: Well, I always keep coming back to sort of that um, kind of mental waiting room that we've been talking about kind of yeah. in this discernment thing, you know. So, you know, you pick up a book and, you know, occult books classically have not been good from an academic Point of view, you know, that's when we get things like you know, oh, Wicca is an ancient pre-Christian religion. Like, okay, we we've heard this fact. Maybe let's not absorb it as truth, but let's maybe kind of like highlight that. It's like, oh, that's interesting, and it can be interesting. But interesting doesn't mean I now absorb this as fact or I reject this completely. It just simply means, oh, I'm going to set that aside to look at later. Um, I think that's kind of the most important part when it comes to just discernment in general is just being able to hold something at arm's length for a while and observe it before you decide where to go next with it.
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that I have this habit with reading. Um, I'm a fast reader, um, but I glaze, I kind of like glaze through the book and I'll be reading the words, but not fully comprehending them. And what I notice really helps me is studying a book, getting your pen out, underlining things, cross-referencing with other books, mm-hmm. um, reading the sources in the back, um, expanding upon reading that one book through the sources in the back of the book, if, if the book has them. Um, usually, if a book does not have sources, then I, I don't want to say it raises a red flag, but I kind of get a little like, uh, I need to know where your information came from came from, or what influenced you to write this. Mm -hmm. Um, and just really absorbing yourself into the book. Um, it takes time. Book reading takes time. That's what I have had to learn. Big Aries energy over here. I'd want to do everything as fast as possible. And I'm not very good at finishing things. (laughs) So ask me how many unread books I have in my house right now.
0: (laughs) Just stacks and stacks and stacks. Oh, yeah. And I think it's important to, to realize as well that, when we're reading these books, we do not have to take everything from it and apply it directly to us. You know, sometimes you'll be reading through a book and you'll be like, mm, I don't like that part. I'm not going to use that. And that's fine. And then in the next chapter, you're like, ooh, but this is banging. I'm going to use this. You know, this ability mm-hmm. to kind of parse out the things in the book that are useful to you and your practice that makes sense for you that... um, that you like that, you know, I guess resonate with you for lack of a better term and, and not feeling like everything that is in the book is something that you have to, that you have to take in and, and make it about you or whatever. Like, so I'm trying to think of an example, but I, I do see this a lot where like, I'll, I'll share a, a spell online and I'll be like, Oh, take this candle and put some cinnamon on it or something like that. And I'll get so many messages that are like, well, I'm allergic to cinnamon. It's like, okay, then for you, we're going to use something else. Um, and I've had people get mad at me because they're allergic to cinnamon and I, and I put a spell that had it in there. And I'm like, okay, but you don't have to directly apply this to you. The rest of the spell, yes, but you can substitute the cinnamon. Um, and it's the same thing with books mm-hmm. too. So like, if something's not directly applicable to you or something that's not going to work for you, then modify it or leave it out. But understand kind of what they're trying to say a little bit in the book.
1: Right. It's kind of like cooking you can follow the recipe, but you can also add your own flair to it, which then makes it extra special and makes it your own craft
0: as well. So I yeah. highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is a question that we get a lot as I guess content creators. would Are we influencers? Is that something that's happening right now? I hate that word. <laughs>
1: I really don't like to fall in the the influencer category, but um, apparently when you hit 10K on Instagram, that's when people start to think you're an influencer. Um, But I like to see myself as like a facilitator, a person who shares information um, Mm -hmm. and perhaps it does influence other people, but I do not consider myself an influencer. I don't get free shit. I've only gotten one free, th- two free things. I got some coffee, some mushroom coffee for free. Um, and, you know, they were like, if you promote this, we'll give you more. And I never did. Um, it was okay coffee. And then Corey Hutchinson gave me his wonderful book, uh, New World Witchery. Those are the only two things I've ever gotten. <laughs>
0: uh, I love that book, too. I'm. I've been flipping through it recently before bed, and I'm absolutely in love with it. So if you do not have Corey Hutchison's new book, New World Witchery, highly recommend, especially for all of you who uh, love the folk magic as well. Um, but something that we get asked a lot as facilitators, influencers, whatever you want to call us is, you know, book recommendations, you know, I'm I'm new, what books do you recommend? Or I, I get a lot of people asking me about about Slavic witchcraft books, which you can't find a lot of, but Madame Pamita does have a book coming out. I, I do have an advanced copy of it. I haven't started it yet, but I do plan to. Um, so pe- people want us to provide them with books a lot of the time, book titles, because they're not sure how to tell if a book is good or not. And a lot of people seem genuinely afraid of reading a bad book But let me tell you, you are going to read a bad book at some point and you will not die, I promise. It will not ruin your entire path of magic. You will probably be able to notice that it's a bad book. So I want you to not be afraid of bad books because I've read a lot of them. Um, And sometimes you do get stuff out of them, but I'll I'll talk about that later. So I would like us to kind of talk a little bit about how how to choose a good book. And I do have kind of... Three, four kind of places where I I recommend that people look. And the first thing that I ask people to look for is the publisher. And let me say right out of the gate, just like our red flags with the other discernment episodes, just because one of these things is a red flag doesn't mean that the book is bad. This is just, again, information to help you maybe make a decision. Um, So, so just kind of see it as that again. We don't need to absorb all things as fact. Um, these, are, these are things that will kind of add to your mental waiting room. And the first thing is, is checking the publisher. Because right now, you know, non-magical publishers have found out that there might be, um, you know, some profit or a little bit of money in the occult publishing world. And so we're starting to see a lot of places like, um, you know, Penguin, you know, these, these non-traditionally magical publishers starting to put out witchcraft books. Um, because there's now a market for it, you know, we're kind of trending in the witchy world over here. Um, However, when you get a book from a non-magical publisher, that also means that the people who were probably doing the editing and whatnot are not always witchy people as well. So for my book to get through... In and be published, it had to pass through Wiser. And my editor is Judica Isles, who's one of the more well-known magical authors who's been around forever. She writes encyclopedias of magic. So in order to get my work through in Wiser, it had to pass through her, which means magical people are looking at this and can tell you if this information is factual versus if I go over to a different kind of publisher that has no idea about witchcraft, and I say all the source of all magic is you know i don't know of uh, all magic comes from boobs whatever you know <laughs> then and then they're like wow that's so yes. interesting i didn't know that we're gonna publish this you know like and and there have been some books that have come out that make very strange claims like that that don't necessarily come from magical publishers um or right. people who are familiar with the vocabulary and terminology. So that's something that I always kind of, kind of look for right off the bat.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking up author or not authors, I'm sorry, but looking up your publisher and seeing what other books they have published is really is wise. Um, mm. And thankfully with my publisher, um, my editor is a witch. So I'm really glad because I was nervous nervous um, that when I was writing my book that it wouldn't be understood but I know that it will be understood and I'll be able to have like that extra filter there. Somebody supporting me through it. Um, but yeah, who are some of your, I mean, obviously, uh, wiser being Mm -hmm. up there and Llewellyn also publishing great occult books. One of my favorite publishers, they're an independent publisher, um, is Scarlet imprint. They make and produce, Absolutely gorgeous books, like beautiful to hold, beautiful to see. They have, um, they'll do very limited runs on their their books and whatnot. Um, but their their authors are are smart, intelligent, academic people, and they create really good um, reading material and occult content. Uh, who are some? Do you have any other favorite publishers?
0: I, I love Scarlet imprint as well. If you're looking for really serious kind of like dense work, um, Scarlet imprint is excellent for that. I also like a lot of stuff that Troy puts out. Um, that's what I believe a lot of Gemma Gary's books come out through it is Troy, which is, I think they're an imprint of something, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, and of course, Wiser. I've had the best experience with Wiser, um, not just as a writer, but also as a consumer of occult books. Um, I've had the best experiences with them. Um, they've been great. And also you have to remember too, that just because on the flip side, just because it comes from a magical publisher does not mean that it's, it's then guaranteed to be the most excellent book ever. This is just things that are going to help tip the odds in your favor, um, of having a good book. Um, the other one that I want you to do is of course, look up the author, you know, is this a person who has... Mm -hmm who who has the the ability to speak on what they're speaking on. Um so something that we've I that we've learned in kind of the Mexican magic community is that uh, kind of classically all of our you know brujería books have all been written by people from outside of the Mexican or you know Latino communities which means that they're often at least a little to the left, if not just completely off base um, when it comes to writing about this work. And this is something that a lot of cultures have had to deal with up until kind of very recently, that people from outside of their communities were writing about their magic and often getting it very, very wrong. And so, you know, you kind of have to look, you know, is this person someone who is actually in this community? You know, are they writing a book on voodoo and they're not even initiated or know anyone, you know, who's actually you know, doing voodoo, like these, these are things that are important, you know, are they from this community? Do they actually do this work? Um, That's definitely stuff to look into. And yeah, that that's kind of that that's important, I feel is just kind of looking at mm-hmm. the author, Do the, do they have the background and the connection to the work that they really need in order to understand it in a way that allows them to write a book about it?
1: Right. Yeah. I also like to look at their internet presence as well. Um, Social media is helpful, but I don't think that gives the full picture of an author. Um, I like to see, you know, obviously reviews help sometimes. Uh, Sometimes their reviews can be really off, but um, their blogs, a lot of authors do have blogs and that kind of gives you a feel and a sense of their writing style and where they're coming from. Um, and I really appreciate because like, for example, you we can find a lot of your work on Pathos, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like, I remember, I was actually researching something for my book, and I googled something. And one of your Pathos articles came up, but I didn't know it was you. And I was reading through the material, I was reading the blog, the post, and I was just like, why does this sound so familiar to me? <laughs> I scrolled up and I was like, oh, because it's Jay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, because that was it was a really helpful blog post. I mean, for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. But um doing a little research around an author's like writing style and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, earlier, like what we were talking about, don't be afraid to read a bad book or air quotes bad book. Mm-hmm. Um it could be really helpful because then you'll know what you don't like or mm-hmm. where there are red flags, you know, um I think that's really important,
0: yeah, well, and two, I think that that's a really great point that looking at somebody's blog will give you an understanding of what kind of depth that they have, so there's mm-hmm. I'm not gonna name names, but there there have been kind of books published you know on you know Mexican magic or sometimes kind of in a you know group where they talk about Mexican magic and like hoodoo and like you know granny magic or whatever all in the same book but then you can tell that there's like some sections where they have like a lot of detail but then like the brujería section they're like I don't know it's just a feeling that you get and it's like "Mm, that's that's a red flag for me that like you don't know how this works none of you know it it's just kind of like oh yeah like brujería is just a feeling and it's like that's not how this works (laughs) (laughs) area is just a feeling right it's a feeling that you get i mean sometimes but that's not it's not the end of the road um now the other place that i really like to look to is so like say say we've looked at the publisher and we've looked at the author and we're looking we're like okay maybe you need a tiebreaker maybe you need more information kind of you know a next step so i always recommend to look at the endorsements so when you publish a book especially in the magical community one of the things that you do is you go around and you ask people to endorse your book and so when you know you look at the back cover of a book and it says you know oh this is the best book written on this topic signed by britain boyd author of blah 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 blah. you know like it it says you know people back up the work people put their names on it and say yes this is a good book look Mm -hmm. at who those people are that are endorsing the book so for instance if someone comes out with a book on you know brujeria right and all of the endorsements are by white folks with no background or understanding of the work that's a red flag for me same thing for like if someone writes a book on hoodoo and it's all like wicca authors that concerns me because that tells me that either they didn't reach out to people who are actually in the community um or they did and nobody wanted to endorse it from the community Um, so Mm -hmm. like in my book, I wanted to very clearly reach out to people who are within the community and some of the biggest names in Mexican magic decided to put their name on my book, which was really, really important to me, not only to have that there, but also to then be able to put their names on my book so that then more people could hear about them and, go find their work as well through my book. Um, so definitely mm. look at the endorsements. Who Who's endorsing it? What have they written? You know, who are they?
1: Yes, absolutely. That re- will really give you a good feel um, for the book and whether or not it will be a good read. Mm.
0: Do I get to endorse your book? Yes, if you read it for me. I would love to read it for you. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh my
1: gosh. I know I'm really nervous (laughs) about endorsement. I know uh, about that. And I really do hope that I can get some endorsements for my book. And um, I'm really interested in the feedback about the book. So it's really interesting because here you are a published author and I'm like in the fledgling stage of getting this figured out. Um, It's a really interesting contrast here.
0: Oh, but it's gonna be wonderful. I'm so excited to read your book. But I'm I'm very much I'm very excited. So and we'll we'll promote it all over the place here as well once it starts coming out. Cause I think mm-hmm. it's going to I think it's gonna be very needed and I think it's gonna be um a book that might kind of change things for people as far as how they feel about um, you know, the land and the seasons and, and all that stuff. So I I think it's mm-hmm. I think it'll be good.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So the other aspect of, like, discernment when it comes to a book are those good old Amazon reviews. How much do they matter?
0: Um, (laughs) I I would recommend, uh, it's so hard, because I really want to throw Amazon reviews in the trash just because people are not always super uh, smart. Like, so the other day... (laughs) This is this is how this works out. The other day, I bought um a a really intense mask for smoke filtration for wildfire season. And the way that the mask is built is it has the bands that go up over your head twice, um, so that they go all the way around your head. They don't have the ear loops, so they're they're not attached as just little circles on the side. They're attached like all the way across. Mm-hmm. And some guy left a scathing review um that the that they had attached the straps wrong because they wouldn't fit over his ears um like a like a normal mask that we would wear it did and i'm like no bro you just you weren't wearing it correctly um oh my gosh or i did see this review the other day on audible that someone gave like five stars for overall and then zero stars for like the other categories gave it like an absolute zero because they didn't know you were supposed to also fill those in. And they're like, I absolutely love this book. So my overall rating is like practically zero because I didn't click the other buttons that filled in the other ones. So that majorly just nerfed this person's like rating on, on audible. So I don't put too much stock into them. However, you know, you can peruse through them a little bit. See, you know, because usually people who are credible will say like, hey, I've been doing this work for so many years. This is what I think about the book. Um, And those can be very helpful because I had people too on mine, you know, among the people who were like, why isn't this Aztec magic? I also had people who were like, oh, I've been a curandero for, you know, 50 years and I love this book or or whatever. So those can be helpful. Just again, discernment, discernment. (laughs)
1: Discernment, that mental waiting room, y'all. I've also seen where folks will uh, ding a book because they receive the book damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll give like a one star review. My book has a dent in it. Well, it has absolutely nothing to do with the content of the book. Like, yes. don't leave a bad review for a book just because it has like a folded page or something like that. Um, so I do like to look at reviews on if I am buying a book through Amazon. Um, just to get a feel for it. But you know what, sometimes those bad reviews can be super revealing um, in a positive way because it lets me know um, a lot about the person writing the review very often and um, allows me to kind of like figure out um, what what to look for in the book um, and what mm-hmm. might be curious about it and always approach with curiosity when mm-hmm. somebody's leaving a bad review, like why did they do that? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I wouldn't just use it as like a blanket blanket statement that the book is bad. Um, So I think they, I don't know, I kind of like reading the reviews and whatnot. Um, But what I really love is getting the opinions of others through like social media and whatnot. Like recently a book came out called, um, I think it's called the black book and the charms and spells from, or they extracted charms and spells from the witchcraft trial record of Isabel Gowdy. Oh
0: Um, yeah.
1: The Emma Wilby wrote the book, uh, the visions of Isabel Gowdy. So it's not by Emma Wilby. Um, And there have been like really great reviews that I have found through uh, Instagram. So I'm really curious about that book. So People actually do really thorough reviews of books um, through social media and you can just hashtag like witch books or occult books and you can find some really good information out there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, people will will write formal blog post reviews of things Um, and, and those are really nice. But notice notice the person's overall blog too, because I also have found blogs of people who just like to write about books that they don't like, like their entire Mm -hmm. blog is just dedicated to just trashing other people's books and things like that. So again, it's all about discernment. That's just why we're, why we're kind of having this conversation here. Um, And also remember too, you have to contextualize things. So when it comes to things like Amazon reviews, um, it's actually, you know, people are more likely to write a review about something when they have a negative experience than they are when they have a positive experience, because there's less motivation behind it. There's less like energy to like actually go on and post something. Um, Unless someone was like really super deeply moved in a positive way by your book, they'll kind of go like, Oh, that was great. And then just kind of move on versus if someone just Mm -hmm. has a bee in their bonnet about something and then decides that they need to, you know, make it known online. Same thing with like restaurants and whatnot too. Like, if, if people get a great meal, they often don't tell people like.
1: Right. Yeah. But if they have a bad meal, they'll tell 10 their friends.
0: Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the possibility of, of bad books and is a bad book totally useless? Is it evil? If you read it, will you become a monster? I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yes, I think you'll become a total monster and you need to throw it in the trash and then set the trash on fire. Just kidding. (laughs) No, I think that um, air quotes, bad books, uh, you know, that folks say is like a bad book. Like, okay, here's a book, for example, um, The White Goddess by Robert Graves, you know, um, has gotten a lot of shit um, for there being like blatant blatant lies within the book. Um, But I think it's an important book to read to understand the origin of misinformation, like we were talking about earlier. So is it a book filled with misinformation? Yes. Is it a bad book? No, like it's poetic and is probably a really beautiful read. Um, But I wouldn't just like chuck it in the trash and I wouldn't say it's evil. Um, Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: No, it totally does. And I've written, I've written, or, not, i was just gonna say i've written terrible books um i i have i have written terrible books um i've been for some reason i've been switching up read and write in my brain lately um i've read really terrible books um before that were you can tell just from page one you're like wow this is not correct at all i i, I read one book that started off with being like yes cleanse all of your tools with just like straight ammonia just like take that ammonia and just like wash down your altar table with it and all your tools and stuff. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 this is terrible. Um, But occasionally though, as you're reading it, they will have a good idea or even if they're kind of off base, you're like, though, if we took that and we did something similar with it, it's, it's kind of like when you're watching like Hollywood witch movies or tv shows or something like you know charmed right charmed is is mm-hmm. not at all accurate as far as you know witchcraft is concerned however occasionally they do do a spell where you're like you know that would actually work <laughs> like yeah. where you're like this is not a good resource for actual witchcraft however that's an interesting idea kind of like in like American story coven when they do the the weird rat maze spell I'm like it needs tweaking but that that actually would work
1: (laughs) that's how I feel about Salem because I'm like butt deep and watching Salem right now and you know a lot like it's so good and You know, a lot of it, yeah, is just like this fantasy witchcraft stuff. But at the same time, you'll see them do a spell or a charm and you're like, hold on, that's actually a really good idea. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you can get inspiration, inspiration, y'all, from books, you know, and it might not completely be what you're wanting to read or something, but you can glean, using the word glean here, information from it. So we pick and choose what Mm -hmm. we want and i think a lot of folks you know books kind of seem to hold authority so it's mm-hmm. like when we read a book it's all it's like universal truth that's not true Mm-mm. you know with anybody like we can use right yeah with any book and we can use our own discernment and our own thinking capabilities to decide what we want and what we don't want mm-hmm. um and that's all up to the reader so don't think that just because you you have a book that might have some information in it that you won't get something out of it. You'll Mm. always get something out of it, even if it's a bad book.
0: Yeah. At the very least, you might find inspiration in it for, for other things that you do. Um, even if you don't Mm -hmm. find, you know, super intense factual information on it. Um, now the other question I have for you is if say you have a good book, but it has a bad chapter, do we throw out the entire book? What do we think? Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, no, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) No. You know, we don't. Yeah, we take it, you know, for what it's worth and whatnot. And we, like I was saying earlier, gleaning the information, um, you know, enjoy the other chapters. And maybe that wasn't the best chapter. Like recently, I read a book um, where they had a chapter that just didn't line up with my own beliefs around the moon and the moon phases and how they operate, because they seemed a little backwards to me. And then, but I've read a bunch of other books that have affirmed my ideas around moon cycles and like when to work magic and when not to, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, so, you know, I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater um, mm-hmm. because there was still a lot of really great stuff in the book. And another thing I wanted to kind of share too is like, I have a soft spot in my heart for fluffy witchcraft books. I, I really do. <laughs> They're, it's kind of like the pumpkin spice latte Um, of the book world, because it's really inspiring. um, And it evokes a feeling within yourself of like your practice. And even though we need to be rooted in the land and like the reality of the the world that we're living in now and not dive too deep into escapism, I think it's important to feel that inspiration that a lot of these books can generate. Um, I remember I don't remember the title of it, but I had a favorite book in my early days. It was on like a uh, green witchcraft or something. And uh, it, I, it was a tattered book and it was just like cozy and warm and just lovely to read. I
0: love even that. though it
1: had, even though it had some stuff in there that I was like,
0: eh. <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe, maybe not like that. No. And, and I agree. I love a good fluffy witchcraft book because like i think too they embrace kind of sort of like the fun and the possibility in witchcraft because i feel like everything's gotten so serious lately that like you know when you read a fluffy witchcraft book it's like you know here's a spell to um you know find a lost object and um you know make sure that your car is protected when you park it and stuff like that a lot of times it's like um it's small magic, but it's really helpful as opposed to what I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people are searching for these days, which is like, (laughs) I, I posted something about like, Oh, here's a spell to, to find a lost object. And I had people like, will this help me find who I was before my trauma. And I'm like, Whoa, (laughs) like, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, (laughs) that's no, (laughs) like I, sometimes spells can be for just fun, fluffy things. Like, you know, Finding your keys or protecting your cat or, you know, those things definitely have use.
1: Right. It doesn't always have to be an existential crisis um, approach
0: to witchcraft.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So where do we go from here? Do you... Do you see the occult publishing world going any directions or 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 do you have a feeling we're going to see more or less of some stuff as we kind of head forward on this weird train that is the occult community right now? You know, I
1: really don't know. I have noticed that books recently have been putting more emphasis on dropping the old structures of of the craft like you know for example like the wheel of the year i know temperance alden wrote a book on like Mm -hmm. completely readjusting that and i'm seeing more of that Mm -hmm. um of books being more influenced by their locality and the land and whatnot so that's been like my hope is to see more books along that vein and just hearing more about people's personal practices not you know that every author should indulge readers and in their very intimate personal practices. But the um kind of like the basics of it and whatnot, like that's what I'm hoping to accomplish with my book is to mm-hmm. share my own personal perspectives and the things that have helped me along in my journey mm-hmm. in the hopes that it helps other other folks. Yeah. But you know, there I I have been wary of like, you know, this recent phenomenon of folks pumping out books like back to back to back to back to back. Um, because it really may, you know, a book takes time Mm -hmm. uh, to gestate and to be written and then to be edited and created and whatnot. So I do, I do kind of worry about, uh, folks just cat like publishers cashing in on this, um, the popularity of witchcraft and that there will be, Uh, kind of a surplus of witchcraft books that are not necessarily good and just kind of Mm -hmm. like rehashed correspondence tables. Like that's what I would like to see less of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that we, well, I was going to say, I think that we are heading in that direction, but I'm not sure because we, we are splitting in two very different directions where on one hand we have a large amount of the occult community that is Asking that you know witchy authors do things like um cite their sources in text um and all kinds of stuff, which i I do think is going to be helpful in kind of filtering out some of the misinformation by making people back up their stuff, but also I think that that's kind of a low hurdle because we have so many books out there right now that you know if if I say something like Oh, you know. All magic comes from the womb and then, you know, cite Lisa Lister's book um, and then act like, you know, (laughs) uh, this is something that's been peer reviewed and is factual because it came from another book, Um, you know. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that, that citing sources like that are going to be helpful. Then people talk about, well, they should cite academic sources, and it's like okay that's great but academic sources are only going to cover a certain portion of this academic sources can help you with things like the history of like you know when wicca was actually invented and um what parts of the world this type of magic comes from that that's all stuff that we can do cite with academic sources but we can't cite necessarily things like um you know you should use you know, yarrow as a protection plant or whatever. Like there's not necessarily mm-hmm. always going to be academic sources for magical things because academia has not always um, really upheld magical things. Um, you know, we have certain, right. you know, forms of anthropology and whatnot, but, you know, as far as like scientific sources, it's, you know, we're, we're not going to find um, super sciency stuff on a lot of this because science doesn't always support magic which is why we call it magic if science did support it we would call it you know some sort of ology or whatever um so that's one half and then on the other half we also have things like algorithm books which are becoming much more popular which is there's at least two i'm starting to suspect a third one has entered the mix. Um, There are several publishers right now that are putting out what we call algorithm books. And these are essentially, they've done, you know, quote unquote market research through things like social media to find out what is popular. And then they kind of write an outline for what what they want to go in the book, what the tone of the book should be and essentially what you should say in it. And then they find an author to fill in the blanks put their name on it and then produce the book and they I've had several of these companies approach me as well and and I do know authors fellow authors who who have put out these books and so I'm very much on the fence about how I feel about them because on one hand I do know people who have written them and they are people that I do um, know of and feel like they they do have some good information to give on the other hand it's when when they contacted me i asked them point blank i'm like okay so what happens if you found out that there's something very popular that you want me to put in this book but it is incorrect or dangerous and i do not want to put that in the book they ceased all communication with me at that point oh boy red flag I I feel a red flag. Um, And also they're not forthcoming with their process. They don't tell people that this is how they're doing the book. And I feel that that's that's the part that concerns me is the fact that they're kind of hiding it. Um, And then the author isn't necessarily the one doing the research. A a company that is trying to make money is the one that's kind of doing the research and doing the outline and then just getting an author to kind of fill in the blanks and, and put their name on it, which concerns me a little bit. That and a lot of these put out books in a span of about six months. And when I did, well, any of my books pretty much, whether you're through like Weiser or Llewellyn, you're looking at about 18 months. So to cut that down to a third of that time, again, it's, it's just a concern. That I have. I'm I'm sure some of these books are good. That doesn't mean that all algorithm books um, are bad or or not good information. I think that we should just use discernment, (laughs) essentially.
1: Right. Yeah, and it feels. It just feels uncomfortable, an algorithm book, like a book that's like pre-written and then, you know, the author kind of fills in the blanks. It, it feels um, like an insult to the art and practice and process of an author sitting down and doing the hard work of writing a book. Yeah. It feels like an, e- an easy buck.
0: It's a little like know? paint by numbers.
1: Right, yeah, so like a paint by number, and then you try to sell it for a thousand dollars or something, right <laughs>
0: no. yeah, so and and again, you know, I, I have known people who have who have done publishing through these publishers and and they've kind of thrown out the outline that they've been given and written their own thing, which is great, so I do think that there is some potential for decent books to come out through that. I just I wish there was more transparency about it yes yeah
1: i agree there should be some transparency if that's how the book is written for sure
0: yeah yeah so Mm. we'll see but you know the future of occult books it is we'll we'll find out i i think we're going to see some very big changes um in the next five ten years um both for good and for bad And that's Mm -hmm. why discernment is going to be important. Remember y'all to use your mental waiting room and crank the old noodle machine, get the brain work in and uh, do what you got to do. Do just do your best? And remember, if you read a bad book, you're not going to die.
1: Yes, you're not going to die. You're probably just going to be a little more informed as a result Mm -hmm. of it. So read those bad books, read those
0: good books. 100%. And above all, remember to
1: do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support invoking witchcraft with a one time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There, you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.